Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Jordan and I are recording this. Uh, it's 9.44 in the a.m. local time, 10.44 in the a.m. local time for Jordan. Uh, it is Thursday the 28th, which means we are Christmas plus three days. How did the Christmas go with your little ones and family in, in the house? Overall, uneventful, which for anybody with kids knows that is a gigantic win in the world of Christmas. We woke up Christmas morning, we opened presents, we hung out all day, people came over, there were cocktails, there was Bailey's in the coffee, there was mimosas. We had a good day here. There wasn't a whole lot of traveling. The weather was fine when we did have to travel. So Christmas was very uneventful and very successful in my mind. That sounds phenomenal. So you, you... You opened up presents yourselves, just you and your family, then had extended family or friends or something over later in the day. So yeah. we don't, we've, we, since we've had kids, we have made it a staple Christmas day. We don't go anywhere. Yes. Like we are staying home. You are more than welcome to come over. I will have food and beverages all day long for anybody that wants to come over, but we are not leaving Christmas day. And I've never been happier than, than when we made that decision. Cause it's so nice. I don't usually put on anything more than pajama bottoms the entire day. <laughs> Again, uh, people want us to argue and be different on stuff. Unfortunately, we see things similar. So let's be honest. You have the crutch of of kids to use with family, meaning why should we be the, the ones that travel? We have the kids. It's more of a pain in the butt. However, come my way. I will feed you, I, you know, alcohol, food. I'm with you there, and it's it's awesome because then if I have maybe just one too many cocktails, I don't have to drive anywhere. That's obviously the the best part about that. Um, with nope. that be with that being said, I got to Christmas Day, and I at that point I'm like, I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna set the alcohol aside here <laughs> for a couple, and it's not like I got you know high eyed at any one of the. There was a night out we had with some good friends of ours, you know, stretch, stretch things out a little bit that night, but you just sit there and you're like, well, I, I don't really have anything going on today. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. I'll just have a couple cocktails. It's, it's easy to do. But once I got to actually Christmas day, I'm like, I I think I'm going to kind of detox, get back into a routine, maybe actually eat some decent food. My body craves routine more and more as I get older, when I get out of the routine, lounging on the couch too much, man, it just it just wrecks me. <laughs> so you start to wonder what is going. What are we even doing here? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I I understand completely. I'm, like I said, I'm a few years behind you, but I'm already starting to feel those changes and understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's it's coming for you and everybody else, whether they like it or not. Um, and then the other thing that's funny <laughs> with kids. I swear these kids get longer breaks from school than we ever did when we were kids. I, every parent is saying the same thing. I don't think we're just making this up. They yeah, were two full weeks here. Yeah. We're, we're a little bit over two weeks. Like they got out that Wednesday before Christmas. Like that's, that's quite a few days before actually Christmas day, Christmas Eve. 
I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, we finished that week at least. So I mean, they did finish that week, but it's it's this all of this week and all of next week that they're off. So you got to go through Friday. Of yes, the previous seed. That's that would be nice. I I would have liked that. I I was just here. Here's one that just happened. You know, just now, yesterday, the wife took the two boys to some friends, hang, hang out with her girlfriend and their friends. They're playing. They're having a great time. I had the house myself for like four or five hours. It was fantastic. Did absolutely nothing, of course. Just sat and watched college football all all afternoon and evening. Anyways, the the eight year old uh, quote unquote broke his toe when when he was <laughs> pinky toe when when they were playing at, at you know the friend's house. I'm I'm hearing about this on text message, and I'm like, well, if you're gonna break something, a pinky toe is the right thing to break. He comes home. He's all upset wife's all concerned she's like make sure you check on him as he went to bed i'm like check on him check i'm gonna check the toe you know like it's just magnifying glass i mean it is it's tiny and she's mad at me because i'm not concerned enough for the pinky toe you know anyways magically he woke up you you never believe it toe's fine it's almost like isn't it crazy it's a christmas miracle (laughs) <laughs> and it could happen 72 times in a row and it's still considered a miracle oh, you know yeah. what i mean and then he i'm like do you, hey you want some breakfast yeah uh we don't have your cereal he, he likes uh fr- the frosted mini wheat squares I, I, that's his favorite cereal right now which i love too and i'm like hey we don't have the squares what you know he's just distraught i'm like dude that's life <laughs> no squ- i don't know what to tell you you know we don't have any squares Fine, I don't have toast and some fruit. You know, like that. That's it. That that is the that's what Christmas break is right there. Is just eighty five different versions of of that right there. And yeah, we had a we had a minor meltdown this morning with my mm-hmm. daughter. She yep. just decided that she was going to throw herself on the floor and then claim that she tripped. And it's like, no, we literally no. watched you throw yourself on the floor. You didn't really trip. You know, it's boredom, right? Isn't that what it <laughs> yeah. is? I think yeah, it's boredom. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Anyway, speaking of here, there was a good segue. Speaking of not being boring, I feel like these bowl games have <laughs> been a you. blast, man. Like, I'm with you. now, because there's two things I love about them. They're they're essentially stress free. You know, like there's there's not really any gigantic rooting interest or things that I I need to have happen. Now, of course, I'm talking to my special friend. Then the gambling degenerates. Yes. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's just it. You still see some people complaining, uh, too many bulls, this, this, and that. Again, if you just put some shackles down, not too much, right? Responsibly, responsibly, yeah. but know your enough, limits. Know your limits. Keep give yourself a reason to be interested. I don't know. These games have just been so unexpected. There's been crazy things happening. Just sit back and enjoy them. I've I've loved them, man. I've been more in the live. I, I've I've gotten away from early betting a lot of bowl games, and I'm more trying to play live bets so I can see. Like we always talk about the want to, you see which of these teams show up and want to play, and it's like okay, there's some live angles you can hit if you hit them early. So that's more what I've been playing. Been successful with it, I might add. So do you? You I should know this. Maybe you know this. Those live bets. You, is it just straight algorithms? How they do that? Like, is there any sort of human that's like? I know what the algorithm is saying that if you essentially multiply the points that they have at halftime, this is what the game total should be at. But if you're watching these games, you have the ability to say, okay, there's 24 points on the board at halftime. 
we all know 14 of those points were miraculous that they were right. on the board. I, I uh, just want, do they figure that in or is so, it just straight, you know, on computers? I don't I've know. I've always wondered it. I've always wondered it myself, but I got the answer last year because the, the national championship game, Georgia TCU. I was watching the live lines, and anybody that watched that game knew Georgia was going to steamroll that game. But TCU went down and scored that early touchdown, and the lines shifted, and they shifted exactly what they would shift with the numbers, with okay. what the numbers would say they should do. And when I tell you that I hammered Almost Georgia broke your and finger. those point, oh, yeah. God. I mean, I hammered it, and I'm yeah. glad I did. So I think it's algorithm. I think it's math. I just I don't think there's anything else to it. There's opportunity. There. I'm very happy that I did because that was one that I cleaned up on. And like I said, I've done pretty well with my live plays that I've done so far this pool season. So live plays are difficult for me because I'm in Minnesota. So there has to be a, you know, a text scene and communication that has to happen. Totally understandable. That's not a shot at my guy. That's just, he's got a life too. Right. Last night. Okay. For example, Texas A&M. And, uh, oh, my God, uh, who, who were they playing last night? Uh, uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. That was the game that was on. Fun game, right? And at one point, the the total was 57 and a half points, like late in the first half, like I'm going to say mid-second quarter. I'm just like, ain't no way this thing is getting to 57 and a half points. So I was trying, I was trying, I was trying. Finally got it at 54 it pushed if it finished right oh, at 54. Oh, oh, oh. And did you see how that, that field goal? No, I did, I did not see the end okay. of that game. 50-some yard bomb that was made by the Texas A&M kicker that bounced on the crossbar and made it over. Otherwise, I would have won with the 54, but i got to be honest with you. That made it fun. You know, like watching a game that winds up pushing for free, you can't – how else are you going to get entertainment right. for free like that? So I, I don't know. I swear there's a healthy view to gambling if you are if if you can have some self-discipline and not be you crazy. Be sensible. With it. Yes, you gotta be sensible. Don't 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 put you and your family's finances in harm's way. You can hey, I've, I've put the phone down several times yes. and said, you know what? I need to stop pushing buttons right now because I'm on the wrong angles and I'm not playing well. I just need to put this away for, I, I quit for a couple of weeks. That's it. Like just yeah. a re reset, reset, Re-cal- just gotta, just gotta yeah. clean the cobwebs out. Yeah. That's, I think yeah. that's called a responsibility. Something that seems to be waning uh, at quite a rapid pace in this country. And with that being said, we had some fun bowl games involving the big 10 too. So far, let's, quickly break these out. I don't know if we're going to be able to give these, you know, the the extended breakdown like we typically do. First one up, SRS Distribution Bowl, Northwestern 14, Utah 7, the Wildcats with 290 yards of total offense to the Utes. 211, a offensively challenged bowl game, but there's still things to take away from this, which is I thought Northwestern looked good they neither one of these offenses was exploding off the screen i get it but they moved the ball when they had to anytime you beat a quality football program like the utah utes you got to be happy about it northwestern fans seemed happy after the game it's a heck of a win for the wildcats oh i don't know how you're not happy as a northwestern fan eight wins in a season when you were supposed to get three like yes 
Yeah, you've got to be ecstatic. And I mean, like you said, Utah, that's Kyle Whittingham defense. That dude's defenses are always good. Like, I've always long said that Utah is like a Big Ten team that's not in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Like, they just fit that mold. So, this was a a Big Ten West game, if you have ever seen one. It really was. You had two defenses that played well. One offense was able to move the ball a little bit better than the other one. And I thought Ben Bryant looked pretty good. You know, he he wasn't special. He didn't do anything crazy, but. He stayed on schedule. He made good throws. He didn't make mistakes. That's what you got to do in a game like this. I got to say, 23 of 34, 222 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Might not be special, but it's it's knocking the door on special. That is really yeah. good, especially, again, against a Utah defense that has seen a lot of Pac-12 quarterbacks, right, that are incredible this year. Definitely incredible quarterbacks in that league. For him to have stats like that, only 65 yards rushing, but did what they need to do. Bryce Kurtz, Cam Johnson, A.J. Henning, all seniors, all made their mark. I think there's super senior potential there, you know, coming back for some there's of those There's a lot of that, smoke. There's a lot of smoke that a lot of these guys want to come back and play for David Braun. I, it, it is something to see. And you mentioned Northwestern eight wins. It, it, it didn't dawn on me. Until they were up seven nothing, and you could tell they were, you know, I don't want to say controlling the game, but definitely you could tell right away had a chance to win this game. And suddenly it dawned on me they're, they're going to get to eight wins if they win this game, and, and then of course they yep. did. I, it's it's incredible, and I will say shout out to some of the random college football Twitter accounts calling out media saying. Why haven't we been talking about this one lost team from the previous year having success where we chose to only concentrate on Colorado? You, you, you've seen a little bit of, of that smoke and fire. You know, let's give these guys respect over over Dion. Good to see, especially if you're a Northwestern fan. This is this to me is more impressive than anything Dion could have done. Like if even if let's say Colorado won eight games also, this is still more impressive. Because Northwestern did this with a scandal and losing their head coach, being fired weeks before the season started. Way way more impressive. Northwestern deserved all the publicity that Colorado got, plus some. Like, it's nothing short of of impressive. I wish I could love it, but it's Northwestern. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) and, and I mean this as a sign of respect, It they they always do this, and it just ticks you off. You, you, you look for easy wins on, on your schedule, you know, like just give me a week off. You want Northwestern to be that team, but just let's face it, folks, they might do it every now and then they might be that team every now and then, but long-term they just have always shown that they're going to wind up being tough. And this year they were, they were better. They were better than tough. They were a darn good football team. Yep. And one more thing we got to touch on with this game, because big Kurt would be very upset if we didn't the kits, I think the contrast was very, very nice with the uniforms in this game. You liked the kits. In this I game. liked it. I liked, the, especially the Northwestern helmet with the script Northwestern, and they stayed okay. with the purple. They didn't get into all the fancy black and gold that they try to throw in. And they stayed more traditional. I thought that purple with the Utah red, I thought that really went well together. I really liked it. thought it was a good uniform game. I like it. I, I'm not going to disagree. I think we got a couple others that – can blow that out of the water, but we'll get to that in a little bit. At mm-hmm. least I hope so. Next bowl game up the quick lane bowl, Minnesota 30 bowling green 24, the Gophers with 281 yards of, to- of total offense to the Gophers 303 Darius Taylor having 208 yards of the Gophers 
281. He might have just ran for another eight-yard run right now as we've been recording this podcast. This dude is insane. I made a joke in one of our group chats that PJ needs to buy him a burner phone and delete all of his social medias so that nobody in the transfer portal can get a hold of this guy because he's going to be getting those back channel offers from somebody. He is This kid is so talented. I hope that Minnesota holds on to him. I mean, unless he wants to come to Michigan, you know, I'll take him. <laughs> but, but, but I hope that he does because this is the kind of thing you want to see in a transfer portal area where a great player stays with a team where he wanted to be and doesn't get wooed away to some big fish by a bag. So great performance by him. Um, good for Minnesota. PJ needed this win, I think, to just kind of calm the fan base down a little bit and just like, okay, look, we've got some things. We saw some good young pieces, obviously Taylor being the the primary here, but we saw some good young pieces to look for for next year. I think PJ needed this more than anything. And there was another uh, – well, well, we'll get there. Go ahead. We'll get to the other part. No, you – yeah. Um, you bring up a great point with Darius Taylor, the – the college football purist in me wants to see him stay at Minnesota. Minnesota deserves credit for aggressively recruiting him, pulling him away from other teams. That's what's good for college football. Of course, as a disgustingly biased Iowa fan, would love to see a team pluck him and get him away so that I don't have to play him. But that's unfortunately the era we are in. My gut feeling is that he will, he will stay. I think PJ has proven that he can get the ball to running backs and get their stats for them. We will see. It's something that's going to give Gopher fans consternation, but we'll see. How I just that hope that he out. can get another one or two backs there to help. You don't want to see this the guy load. taking 35 carries all, all the time. We saw like Michigan did it with Blake Corum last year. You run him ragged. You need yes. to get a couple more guys in there to help loosen the load a little bit on it. They yeah. will. They've they've shown that they can you know get the ball to multiple multiple backs, and I'm sure that they will. They're going to need help finding a quarterback. The quarterback stats weren't fantastic. A lot of shade getting thrown at them by uh, the Bowling Green head coach after the game, saying we they couldn't throw the ball to, from me to you. Well, that might be the case, but you couldn't stop them at all. Like, I mean, Minnesota, it was by the end of that game, they it it was eight yards a pop every single time. Like I was shocked if Bowling Green could even stop a you know a four-yard carry, let alone an eight, 12-yard carry. So they could kind of deal with that. I agree. I don't know if this was like a, a huge win for PJ, but there is a gigantic difference between six and seven and five and eight, you know, which was the the how different they could be. And I know this isn't a huge bull win, right? This isn't going to be on the top line of PJ's coaching resume someday. But that's five straight bull wins for PJ, seven straight bull wins for Minnesota. You would they would have liked to at least seen one more win at some point to finish the year seven and six, I think. Okay, so it's still not a desired year, but that's seven straight bull seasons in a row where you finish with a win. PJ knows how to win bowls. That was that was a big reason why I picked him to win this game. I don't think he was the big winner, though. I think the big yeah. winner of this game was Cole Kramer's fiance, who <laughs> for some reason those TV cameras seem to find just about every <laughs> single chance they got. She's a handsome young lady. A handsome <laughs> young lady. I I should have I should uh, the wife, she will she will get clued into things on Insta, you know. So she was asking, and I, you know, I kind of explained it to her, and I sent a couple pictures to her. She's like, "Oh my gosh, he's very pretty." 
And I'm like, do you think so? You, I, if you say so, I, <laughs> um, you know, that's a trap. That's yeah, a trap. <laughs> it, it's always a trap. They're always trying to spring traps for us. Let's not kid each other, but yeah, Katie Miller, uh, local Minnesota gal. Good, good, good job on you, Cole Kramer. You came back for the bowl game. Didn't exactly look good throwing the ball, but you still wound up looking good for this game. So, uh, we'll see how that, that's a good luck at the wedding too. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to take away from this game? Also a fun game. Watch. I thought. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a fun game. Like I said, there's, there's storylines for Minnesota fans to build on for the next season. And I think that's the biggest point you take out of it is they go into the off season on a higher note than that. If, let's face it. If you went into the off season at yes. five and eight, it's just a weird record. Like you have, you have to talk about being five and eight and you played in a bowl game. Like that, that's just hard. It's hard to do. So and it's a bad losing, look. and losing to bowl, bowling green twice in three right. years or whatever. So they don't have to listen to yep. that. I, yeah, it, it was a, it, it was a, "Quote unquote big win for Minnesota." Need to be Yep, we got two bowl games that are coming up that we already broke down on the previous podcast. So check those out. We got one coming up in just a couple hours here. The Bad Boy Moore's Bowl. Good luck to Rutgers there. And then tomorrow Friday night, a uh, one that I'm I'm very interested in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl uh, with the Buckeyes. We don't know for sure, but things seem to be hinting at that Marvin Harrison is out of this game. There are shots from the sideline and bull prep with Marvin Harrison in street clothes. Could just be that he's, you know, taking the week off from practice, but my guess is he won't be playing in this game. Um, same videos and photos. I mean, I love when every fan base does this, but Devin Brown is, you know, throwing the ball. Ohio State fans need him to be good. It could possibly be not just for this bowl game, but next season. He does look good in the clip, so it's going to be interesting. It it adds intrigue to this game with Devin Brown playing. We'll see if he looks good as good in the bowl game as he has in the clips. Yep, there's gonna there's gonna be a whole lot to take away from this game. Dude, no matter who plays and who doesn't play for Ohio State, there'll be a whole lot to take away from this game. It'll be a good one. Agreed. Both these next two games are going to be fun. I can't yes. wait for this Rutgers Miami game. Live yes. Bet City coming up. I can't. I need to be glued into that one. Okay, sounds good. And I'm just going to make the call. I think Travion Henderson will play mostly because what are their other options? If he doesn't, I think he'll get a little bit of pressure from Ryan Day. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neater, and your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Let's move on to the live football contest that we will have coming up here. First game up to for us to break down in this part two of our bowl preps are is on Saturday, December 30th, the Chick fil A Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. Side note, I do I do like Chick-fil-A. It's as far as fast food goes, it's it still has redeemed some of its quality. Whereas mm-hmm. almost across the board, Jordan, in the last three years. Fast food has has gone downhill at in ludicrous speed. If you're a baseball fan, ludicrous speed, so bad. Like even Chipotle, which used to be one of my easy, you know, fun, guilty pleasures, didn't think it was that bad for me. Borderline trash now. Chick Fil A still, still kind of, it still mostly remains the the quality product that it's always been. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. 
good. And like you said, by fast food standards, it's definitely up there. It's but I still think it gets a little bit overhyped. For a little bit overhyped. But tiny, it is it is still overhyped. good by by comparison, still very good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the game. The 10 and 2 Penn State Nittany Lions versus the 10 and 2 Ole Miss Rebels. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN line Nittany Lions by four and a hook over under 48.5. So Vegas is saying something like 27 to 22 Nittany Lions. Two teams have never played before. Really? So first matchup. I was very surprised too. When I looked it up, I was like, oh, I'd have thought there'd been some kind of bowl game at some point somewhere, but nope, no history here. So this is, this is the first. And in my mind, looking at all the big 10 bowl games, not including the playoff game, obviously, I think this is the, the best and most intriguing it's bowl matchup of all the games that we have. I just really like what this game is. And it's because a lot, a lot of these guys are playing. Yes. There's not a ton of opt-outs in this game. Obviously, Chop Robinson's not playing, which is smart. The dude's going to be a first-round pick and at a position where you can easily get injured. I get it. But it sounds like Olu Fashanu's playing. Like A lot of these guys are going to play. And there's... It's a great matchup because you have Penn State's elite defense and Ole Miss's really good offense going against each other. It's an exciting matchup. It's a great matchup. I am I am so intrigued with this game. Absolutely stoked to watch this game. Here's something I'm also stoked for. The, the uniform matchup, in my opinion. Like Penn State's home kits. Penn State's home kits are, are it it's cutting edge. You either love them or hate them. I, I am a love them guy. We, we know where, we know where Kurt falls. We yes, we know where Kurt is on the other side. Love Ole Miss uniforms, home, their home ones with those light blue. Oh, if they were, yeah, if you could get the light blues with it, that'd be perfect. I think. I think they'll mix in a little bit. Their their road kits are are good as well. So this 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 has potential to be an excellent uniform game. And I'm with you, man. the The matchup here. The other thing that I would throw in is both teams are eerily similar in that you've got a a well thought of coach. But not to the level that the highest coaches in college football, esteemed coaches, get to, right? They're, both of these coaches are considered very, very good, but a step down and catch a lot of shit from fan bases that dislike them. And yep. both finished at 10-2, and two, losing to the two best teams on their record. This would then become the best win on the season for either team slash coach another part of this game like it's it's gonna add intrigue and it's gonna add want to from each of these teams and coaches to win this game i thought man i just i tell you what i just got myself a little excited uh ready to watch this game. i'm this, telling you yes, i, I this think this game more, more i think this game than any is going to be the most true result like yes. you know like we talk about want to a lot with these games i think this game well like you said both these teams are going to want it both these teams are going to throw punches we know that james franklin always knows the spread so he's he's playing. He knows what the game yep. matters. We know Lane Kiffin is dot. He's been all over social media, like he's even been retweeting Penn State players declare. Like when Chop Robinson declared for the draft, he retweeted yes. and said, "Oh, great for you, young man. Go be great." That was funny. He's good at this game. He understands. So yep. I, I I just love this matchup, and it comes down to whose best players can make the plays. I think so. Can, Drew Aller makes some big throws against an Ole Miss defense that I don't think is very good. I think their defense is kind of fraudulent because mm -hmm. anytime they played any kind of good offense, they give up loads of points, loads of points. Now, we know that Penn State's offense has been much maligned because you know, there are no explosive plays. I still think 
there's talent in this Penn State offense. Drew Aller's a good quarterback. Those running backs are still good. They're still the tight ends. There's still players that can make plays out there. So it's it's those matchups. Can can Drew Aller make those throws? Can the defense just be the defense for Penn State? Because I think Ole Miss is going to score. Their offense is good. Lane's too good of a mind. They're going to score. But can you at least maybe create a couple turnovers and slow them down enough to keep your offense there? Yeah, to, to give a simplistic breakdown, if Penn State scores points, they will win this game. <laughs> Meaning, if Penn State's offense just looks good and you feel like they can bust a big play or pick up multiple first downs at any time, you, you're going to feel really good about Penn State's chances to win this game because even with Chop Robinson out, they played a couple of games this season without Chop Robinson. The defense was still very good, so they've kind of been there before, so I have very much a lot of faith with this Penn State defense going against two quarterback Jackson Dart, 3,000 yards, we'll call it 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns to five picks, also 377 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. Another amazing stat, Jackson Dart is a white guy. I had no idea. That was that was something that I had figured out last night and today. When Southern I, when California I kid. Up. Yeah, incredible. Literally, uh, hey, remember the Titans? He's literally sunshine. Yes, okay. He's as as, literally sunshine. Nice. And then um, as as far as running back, Quinchon Junkins. Okay, we got a really good running back show here with Quinchon Junkins, obviously Singleton and and Allen. Just going to go ahead and say it. You you said the Ole Miss defense is a little bit fraudulent. I think Quinchon Junkins is good. Don't get me wrong. He's good. He is not amazing, in my opinion. I feel like this is the quintessential SEC running back getting jacked up on SEC brains or lack thereof brain power, thinking that this guy is just incredible. He's pretty good. I think he's going to have difficulty operating versus this Penn State defense. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, he's not – he hasn't seen a run defense like this Penn State run defense, even with some players out. Because there, there isn't – the SEC's defense, like Bama's defense, is very good, but they're more of a well-balanced defense versus – Penn State's damn good at stopping the run, and they've stopped the run versus just about everybody. So yes. it's Feel pretty a good. different animal. I agree. I You know, it's crazy. I, I've gone into as deep a dive on SEC football just in the past three or four days. So I've, I've been – I've recorded some stuff on my DVR that I could get off the SEC network – Folks, this is the work that I put in for you in this podcast. I, I I try to do what I can to bring you a quality product. And then and then Almighty YouTube, you can just look up clips from games and going through. And it's crazy. I always come away thinking the same thing with these SEC teams. You see talent on offense. It's it's undeniable. There's always one quick as shit you know, wide receiver or running back that they have available to the offense. They got a quarterback that can deliver the ball. But I always look at the defenses and I'm like, I, I'm not saying I see bad defenses, but you can tell the defense is a secondary thought to the offenses for how these coaches attack, you know, the game plan. I just, I always come away not really sure what I'm looking at for, you know, I've watched, Tons of Bama, LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee. Like I'm trying to watch these games and they, these teams, and they, I don't know, they kind of all look the same. I don't know if you've well, gotten I mean, that feeling look at, at all. Look at some of the teams that they've played. When they played any team with a good defense, Georgia, they scored 17 points. 
Bama, they scored 10 points. I would argue that this Penn State defense is in the same conversation with those defenses. Maybe they're a small step behind overall, but they're in that same realm. They are that same level of defense. So I'm not going to sit here and expect that Ole Miss is going to score 35 points in no. this game. No, that's not what I could predict, so I'll get right into it. Even with chop out, I trust this defense. Don't trust the offense as much for Penn State. I do believe Drew Eller with, I, I think he's somebody that could have used the exhale at the end of the season, the bull prep. I, I think they are going to use this as a good springboard for Drew Eller going into next year. I know they're going to have a new offensive coordinator. I still think that stuff plays. I've got Penn State 24, Ole Miss 20 so that is a Ole Miss half point cover junk touchdown that's my call that that is my call at this a junk touchdown cover hate that hook that four and a half point hook hate it so I took it and at uh 44 points I have this going under yeah, I, we're, we're pretty close. I see a few more points, and that's mostly because I just don't believe in Ole Miss's defense. Like, I truly, truly believe that this Ole Miss defense isn't that great, and I think Penn State's going to get a little bit on them. So I got Penn State 27, Ole Miss 24. So that's three points. Still going to give Ole Miss that cover because these are two good teams. Yep. And I think, four, like you said, four and a half, that's an odd number, but that number's there for a reason because they don't quite think it's a touchdown. So I'll give Ole Miss the cover there, but I like it going over. Again, I just I don't trust this Ole Miss defense at all. Yep. Also on Saturday, December 30th, the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl in Nashville, Tennessee. Shout out to our guy Perk, lives nearby. The six and six Auburn Tigers. Speaking of Perk, I wonder who he's cheering for in this game. I should have asked him. Not a huge Maryland fan, uh, as a Penn State fan, but not exactly big on SEC fans chant either. We'd be curious to know how he falls. On the six and six Auburn Tigers versus the seven and five Maryland Terrapins. This is a one o'clock PM game on ABC line. Tigers by seven over under 47.5. So Vegas is saying something like 27 to 20 Tigers. So Auburn leads the all time series here two to one. Now, do you know the last time that these two teams played? No clue. You tell me. I wasn't alive. 1983 when Auburn won 35 23. Gross that you weren't alive in 1983, but that is <laughs> quite quite a long time ago. As far as this game, Jordan and I, we always we always shoot the shit just a little bit before we record the podcast. He said, there is one game that I'm borderline clueless on what to predict, and I predicted that he was talking about this game, <laughs> and I was correct. Now, I, I now don't get me wrong, I, I did try to look into this game as much as possible, looking into Auburn. Here's a stat. Auburn 0-6 versus teams with a winning record this year. So Auburn is here because of that weak-ass non-conference SEC schedule that they always do and beating, you know, the Vanderbilts of the SEC. That's that's how they got to six wins. Almost beat Alabama. <laughs> I mean, I've watched that game, the ending. It's even more amazing, I think, when you watch the just the cut-up clips of that game. I... I don't know how they 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 lost that game. With that being said, the point I'm trying to make is this this is not a bad Auburn team, but this isn't a a especially dangerous or or great Auburn team. It's just that they're going against a Maryland team who their best quarterback player 
you know, most important guy on the team is sitting out, which leaves you wondering what the heck we are going to get in the Music City Bowl. Well, here, let me read off Auburn's wins for you real quick. Okay. Massachusetts. California. Barely. Oh, boy. Yes, 14 to 10. They snatched defeat from the Jaws of Victory, or victory from the Jaws of Defeat on that one. So their third win now, Sam Ford. That's a small FCS school in Alabama, That for those of you that weren't sure. Mississippi State, who finished last in the SEC. Vanderbilt, who finished second to last in the SEC. And Arkansas, who, by the way, finished third to last in the SEC. So their six wins are... Not impressive not by impressive. any means. Yeah. Now, having said that, some of the losses were close. They played Georgia close, 27-20. We just talked about the Bama game. But they got run by our boy Jerry Kill in New Mexico State, 31-10. to And to me, that game more than any game tells me a lot about this team. When they get into a situation where the game might not be as important, you know, mm. they had New Mexico State before mm. Alabama. The Iron Bowl's coming up. We don't care about this game. Do they I really see. show up for it? Okay. How much are they going to care about this bowl game? It's it's a question. The want to. The, this is a want to bowl game right here. So I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, by the way, Big Ten fans, if you want a little bit more of a reason to watch this game, I'm sure Michigan State fans will want to watch this game. Why? Because former Michigan State quarterback Peyton Thorne will be the signal caller uh, for the Tigers, 1,600, to- uh, 1,600 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, nine picks. He he looked very Peyton Thorny, you know, for, for most of the year. He'll do some good things, do some mediocre things type of deal. They've got a, a decent rushing attack that will do things at times. The defense isn't awful. It's not elite for sure. Again, it's it's they're they're enigma wrapped in a riddle now going against you know a a a, a Tonga Biola less uh, Maryland team. With that being said, Billy Edwards is a quarterback that's gotten quite a few reps over the year. I also wonder if, if Cam Edge, the freshman quarterback, if he'll get some play, you know, maybe some sub packages type of stuff like that. I, I feel like Locks will will take this game seriously. To get to eight wins is still a pretty big deal. Okay, for Maryland, they've got the bull win. You know, under their belt, they've you know, so like finishing eight and five to seven and six isn't a huge difference. I I I still get a sense though that these type of bowl games are important to locks recruiting all of that stuff. So I I, I think we're gonna get a focused Maryland team in this bowl game. Yeah, I agree. And you know, that's one of the things about Maryland is you know, with Leah. Yo, he got hurt a lot because the dude was always running around. He always took those chances. So, like you said, Billy Edwards has got a lot of time. And we've seen some good spurts from him. I think he'll be all right in this game. He's yep. obviously not going to be what Leah was. But I think he's going to be okay. And Maryland's offense has still got some good talent, players that are playing. And Locks is a good coach. He's going, like, he's going to scheme up points. He's going to score him some points. The question to me becomes the Maryland defense and – are they able to slow down this Auburn rushing attack and the different ways that they like to do it? Because you'll see Robbie Ashford come in for Auburn with some QB design QB runs. They really like to, to get the numbers on their side when they're running the ball. That's really what they did to Bama was they just put the numbers in their favor and ran the quarterback a whole lot. So interesting to see how Maryland's defense will handle that side of it. Go ahead if you're ready to go for the prediction. Yeah, I hate this game like we talked about before because it just – 
there's a lot of layers to it. But at the end of the day, I like Maryland plus seven points. So if you're going to give me seven points in a game that I don't think the teams are a whole lot different. So that's my Amador Double Bear Lock of the Week. Nice. Is Maryland plus seven. So you took... And I'm going to take... You, the game that you feel the most confused about, also the game that you're taking the Amador. I do get the, the thought reason, process. That's the reason I feel so Yes. Yes. The reason I'm so confused about it is because I don't know who's going to win the game. Yeah. I think the two teams are very comparable. So I have, I'm going to get Maryland the outright win 27, 26. So that's healthy over. I think there's going to be points in this game. I think both offenses will score. You have two offensive minded head coaches that will scheme up some points plus some defenses that I think are going to be a little. Yeah. So 27, 26. I'm going to give the Terps. Like, I love seven points. Love seven points. We almost see the same thing, but a tweak at the end. All the things you said, I, 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 you have to sort of sniff out pandemonium bowls. This smells like a pandemonium bowl to me. Turnovers, you know, crazy plays here and there. Uh, it looks like the weather will be pretty good in Nashville. So I've got Auburn. 27, Maryland, 24. I also like Maryland and the points, and at 51 points, I have this going over. I was a little surprised to see the game total as low as it was. All right, that will move us into the new year, which, of course, will be Monday, January 1st, first game up, the ReliaQuest Bowl, formerly known as the Outback Bowl in Tampa, Florida, the 7-5 and five Wisconsin Badgers versus the number 13th ranked 9-3 and three LSU Tigers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN2. Line Tigers by 10 over under 55 and a half. So Vegas is saying something like 33-23 to 23 Tigers. Go Tigers. LSU Go Tigers. leads the all-time series 3-1 here. 2016 Wisconsin did win 16-14. So much, much different game than yeah. what they're predicting for this game. So interesting storylines here because you got Heisman Trophy winner. Jaden Daniels not playing in this game. And you have a Wisconsin team that's kind of been a roller coaster of a team all year. But we talked about old, or I guess I talked about old miss and how I didn't trust their defense. There's nothing to even consider here with LSU's defense. It's ass. Yes. Like their, their, their defense is horrible. So that to me was kind Wisconsin's got to score a bunch of points, and that's where Tanner Mordecai is going to come in huge in this game. Yeah, um, the issue here is here's my thoughts with this game. This is going, this is going to be a good game if it's a good game. I I, I feel like there's a chance where you could tune in and you're just like, what what do we got here? This would be the bowl game that I somewhat put at the lower end of extremely intriguing games for me. So don't get me wrong. I'm watching this game. Also, by the way, I think we, we got potential for a nice uniform game here. The red and the, yeah, I've always been a big fan of LSU's kids. So we, we got good potential uniform here. It's just that the stars are 100% out. Obviously talked about the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Totally understand why he's not playing, but no Braylon Allen either. So now who is the leading rusher in this game? It's Tanner Mordecai for Wisconsin. By quite a bit, I might add, Jackson Aker and Yacomelli will be the, you know, quote-unquote featured running backs. They'll split carries for how that goes. Do I think they can have success running the ball? I do, but most of this is going to be on Tanner Mordecai and the fact that so many of the wide receivers that he was throwing to are gone. You know, a lot of the options are are, are gone. I don't know. It's... 
it's it's going to be interesting to see if LSU says we simply don't have the offense that we did because of you know a trend you know amazing superstar year out of their quarterback. So do they switch things up and actually try to run the ball and that type of deal? Kind of wondering if that's what we get. Yeah, there's a lot of hype around Garrett Nussmeyer. He was he's a highly touted guy that there were some that preseason thought he could take the job from Jaden Daniels. Okay. So there's there's some belief there, but yeah, this this game for me comes down to how Wisconsin's got to put up the points. Can Tanner Mordecai and and Jackson Aker and I, I believe Will Pauling's playing. That those are going to have to be the pieces on the offense that can get them the points, and it's going to have to be Phil Longo. Like this is a game where he's going to have to earn his money. Like you were brought here because of the offensive mind that you are. We need you to scheme up some points against the not so good defense. Can you go do it? And because I think that the Wisconsin defense is going to they'll slow LSU down a little bit, but this is a good LSU offense. No matter who's playing quarterback, there's a lot of weapons. So, again, they're going to score points. Can you score with them? Mostly agree with everything you said. Here's my gut. Neither one of these offenses are going to look especially crisp and clean. I think there will be issues as Wisconsin's had sputtering offense all year. If if Tanner Mordecai goes out of this game, and I'm not, obviously I don't want that to happen. I, I don't, you know, 95% chance it doesn't happen. But for some reason in the back of my head, as I go to predict this game and I'm looking at the game scripts, I'm like, what would happen if he went out of this game? I have no idea what their options are. So that's something that just scares me in this game because I think he is option one, two, and three, you know, for Wisconsin to, to get points on you the board. You have to think about it. I mean, it has to be in the back of your mind. It, it just is important to me. So... In the end, there there are there is talent. There's other talent on LSU on offense. I think eventually it pops. Wisconsin's defense got better, looked better, still was never the defense that you had total confidence in. So I've got LSU 28, Wisconsin 17. So I this is my surprise pick. I've got this quite a bit lower. And at 45 points, that's over 10 points, that is my under uh the under is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Okay. Well, I mean, we're we're in the same ballpark at least here. I, I have I got LSU 31, Wisconsin 24. So I'm gonna give Wisconsin the cover. I think they're able to keep this game close enough, but at the end of the day, they just don't have enough horses. And that's 55. So I'm just barely under. under. The only reason I worry is because, like you said, these offenses potentially being clunky. Is there some kind of we or like little turnover pick six, fumble six type of thing or a short field sure. that leads to some easy points in this game? I think that's entirely possible with these two offenses. I will say as long as there are no crazy special teams pick sixes, I feel great about this going under. If we have those, that's what would put this into, into uh, uh, potential to be a loss. And by the way, at LSU 28 to 17, I also have LSU, I have LSU covering the game. So a little bit different there with you also on Monday, January 1st, the cheese it citrus bowl. Some of these combinations, you know, you, you, you think cheese is the bland, not a huge cheese it fan, by the way, as far as the, the snack. Have you ever had them smoked? I have not had smoked cheese. So. I I'm telling you, I got a guy at work that smokes everything. Like anything you can think of, he smokes it. He smokes cheese. It's okay. 
I, they, change, they will change your opinion. I promise. I, I would be willing to give that. I still still wouldn't pair that with a citrus. Like the the no the, no the, I'm the fully, fully agree the citrus, it, it just does not. <laughs> Bad work combo. For me. Bad combo. <laughs> the ten and three, number seventeen ranked Iowa Hawkeyes versus the eight and four number twenty one ranked Tennessee Volunteers. This is a noon game on ABC line Vols by six over under a very Iowish 35.5. So Vegas is saying a very Iowish sounding score of 16 to 10 volunteers. Tennessee does lead this all time series two to one. Uh, last time they played was in 2015 at the tax slayer bowl where the volunteers won 45, 28, not a ton of history here, but yep. they have played more recently than some. Yep, that most recent bowl was the Tax Slayer Bowl, dubbed the Hawk Slayer Bowl uh, by the Iowa coaching staff. Uh, not not a good-looking bowl. Tennessee fans still bring it up to this day, which I guess will just fold nicely into my first part I want to talk is, in my research, watching Tennessee clips, then you see Tennessee beat writers and fans that have something to say about this game. So I have clicked on them and then it became a, uh, a guilty pleasure, I guess is, is one way masochistic behavior would maybe even be better. Cause I'm watching these Tennessee fans break this game down. Jordan, if not only if Iowa scores a touchdown, if Iowa just gets two first downs in a row, it will absolutely blow the mind of these Tennessee fans who are just like, Oh my God, there is no chance for Iowa to even even threaten to score in this game. Yeah, I know they've got a good defense and the, the punter. <laughs> we're talking about a punter. I mean, dude, it's and these are, you know, guys that are involved with networks that are breaking this down. Not not just fans. It was I, I went into it thinking what what I was going to hear. I heard. All of that plus more, it's got me fired up for this game. Let's let's just say that. Well, and then if that wasn't enough to get you fired up, then you throw in the new added flavor of yes. true freshman quarterback Nico Iamaliva going to be the starter for Tennessee. Yes. So you're telling me you're going to throw a true freshman quarterback, albeit extremely talented. Extremely talented. This, this kid looks to be the real deal. He's still a true freshman quarterback into a Phil – Parker defense. Me, me thinks <laughs> that's going to lead to some potential turnover issues for the volunteers. Watch clips on him. You can see the talent. Absolutely. No doubt. But I haven't seen a clip yet of him sitting in the pocket, picking a defense apart. It, it, it was and a Iowa lot of forces you to do that. I, I have to think that will be the game plan for Phil Parker. I, I would put tons of money on that being the this case. Kid's, this, the kid's a gunslinger. He, he's got a huge arm. He can sling it all over the place. But yes. the problem is, what's the number one problem with two freshman quarterbacks? The game is too fast. They can't slow it down. And when you're in there and you've got to slow a game down against an Iowa defense and all of a sudden you red man and now they're covered too with a blitzing a corner coming off the backside that you didn't think was coming – Everything's going to speed back up again. That's what Phil Parker does to experienced quarterbacks, let alone an 18-year-old kid who's never seen anything like this. Everything you just said, I'm on board with. I would just say it's what you need to do is scheme up plays that are just open, that it's a comfortable pocket and throw. 
that's just not what Iowa gives you. You know, like if you're going to make the throw, it's going to have to be a really good read and a really good throw right before the zone defense collapses on your wide receiver. Can he do that? Of, of, of course he can do that. And I've had more, but, but consistently, you know, is my point. And I have, knock on wood, as I say this, I have more confidence now than I have in quite some time with how Iowa deals with mobile quarterbacks. Now, it hasn't led to a ton of sacks, but it just leads to a ton of pressures and, and unsuccessful passing. So will he get outside at some point and gash Iowa's defense? Absolutely. But I think it's going to have to consistently happen for Tennessee to, to put a ton of yards up against Iowa. And, it, you know, you just don't see that from Phil Parker's well, defense. A lot of the talk with these Tennessee offenses, too, is all, the, all those wide receivers, and they spread you out, and they throw it all over. Well, the thing is, they spread you out to try to run the ball. They actually want to try to run the ball. And I don't think – you're not going to spread Iowa out because they, they run what they run defensively, and you can space all you want. It doesn't matter with what the scheme is that they're going to run. So they're, they're still going to be able to stop the Tennessee run. So then it does come down to strictly throwing the ball for Tennessee. And, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about – I don't know Tennessee about the offense. I don't know about strictly, but primarily, primarily, they're going, okay. They're going to have to lean on throwing the ball more because I just I don't think they're going to have a ton of success running the ball because nobody does. Speak, speaking of, you just reminded me one of the breakdowns I had. So by the way, guys are out for Tennessee. Their whole secondary is out. Their their entire secondary is out, and then also running back Jalen Wright, their number one running back with a bullet over a thousand yards. He is sitting the bull out. So two running backs who did get carries, Jabari Small and Dylan Sampson. This was one of the breakdowns from uh, uh, one of the Bulls videos that I watched. They're like, let's get something straight here. Sure. D- Wright is out of this game. He, you know, he was a great running back, but it's not like Small and Sampson don't have talent. I could see either, if not both of these guys having a hundred yard game versus Iowa. True say that is that is what was said. So then I, I would bet everything in my gambling account right now that that doesn't happen. Everything. So I looked it up. Do you know how many running backs went over 100 yards versus Iowa this football season? Take a guess. I want to say one, but I don't even know if it was that. One. One yeah. running back. He, he had 108 yards. Do you know who that running back was? One of the Penn State backs? It was uh, – he, he plays for Michigan State. That's that's who it was. Oh. Our one our – one, one, it's just things like that, you know, that that blow my mind. So, like, you sit there and you think, and of course, I'm flaring up. My Hawkeye, you know, fanness is flaring up. I've always hated Tennessee fans. I don't like to use the word hate. I'm using it now. They are the worst, the worst fans online. Can't stand them. They're their guys breaking it down work much better. By the way, shout out to Tory Taylor. I really hope that guy that was laughing about a punter being a star. By midway through the third quarter is like, what the bleep? We are starting almost every one of these drives inside the 15-yard line. This is annoying. I hope those a-holes know Tory Taylor's name by the end of this game. Again, my fandom is flaring up. But I can do that because we ain't going against a Big Ten team. This is a non-conference SEC team. Maybe even some rival fan bases can get fired up and want to see Iowa beat Tennessee. I don't know. I also think Caleb Brown, wide receiver, he was getting healthier and more comfortable in the offense as the year went and was looking good. Then he got hurt versus Nebraska. 
if he's back healthy, which I think he is, mix in Addison Ostranga, a couple more bull reps. I'm not saying Iowa is going to throw for 250 yards, but maybe 180 with a couple more plays in the passing attack than people think. That's one thing. Also, watching these games, the, and again, the breakdown, I, I hate to keep going back to the wall, but my gosh, I could send you some of these clips, dude. You'd, you'd think they're hilarious. And they said, okay, so our secondary is up. Who cares? It's Iowa's passing attack. Why? It's not going to make any difference. You know where I think it could make a huge difference? Tackling. Tackling. This is not <laughs> a good tackling team as is. Then you took you take out the starting secondary. Now I've got guys coming in who have hardly played or maybe haven't played in quite some time going against LeSean Williams in a pretty physical rushing attack. I see opportunity in the rushing attack for Iowa. I don't disagree with you. I, I think there's a there there's Tennessee get, giving six points here. I I understand a the lot. limitations with Iowa's offense, but yeah, I agree. That's a lot of points. I think it's too many points. I, I don't have a whole lot more I want to go on with this. Go I ahead. think I've said what I want to say, or if you're good, go for it. Um, thirty five and a half is too few points. I'm going to tell you that right now. This game is going to go over that number. I it it's going to, and I think it's not just Tennessee scoring. I think Iowa's going to score points too. I, with what you said. So I'm taking the Hawks 21, Tennessee 17. Iowa wins outright. That's over. And a lot of it is, I think, like you said, Tory Taylor pinning them short fields, this young quarterback making some mistakes, giving Iowa short fields to do exactly what Iowa does. I don't see any reason why they can't do the same thing to a Tennessee team that I don't think is really that great. As far as uh, guys to look out for for Tennessee's offense, wide receiver Romel Johnson, he is the YOLO shot guy. Toss it up, see if he can go make a play. Squirrel Johnson, that is his. I don't know if it – Squirrel right, excuse me, squirrel right. I don't know if that's his birth given name or nickname. If he was named Squirrel and and he wound up being as he is, because, dude, he looks like a squirrel. He's tiny and quick and runs all around. My guess is it is a nickname, but I wonder if, you know, they dump the ball off to him and have success. So then I, I look at this game. I've got three scripts. One script, which I put at a low percentage, you know, the the Frosh and Josh, meaning the freshman quarterback and Josh Heupel, maybe they just say, screw it. It's a bowl game. Let's have some fun. And they light this thing up. It could be. And if they light it up, I will not have enough offense. And Tennessee could win this game going away. Smaller percentage chance that I see that happen. The other one I see is just a close game. Tennessee simply has more offense and they win the game. Could definitely see that. What I think I see, though, is an Iowa game, right? We, we've said all along in this podcast, you have to be extraordinarily bad or good to not have an Iowa game look like an Iowa game. This will look like an Iowa game. I don't think this is that great of a matchup for Tennessee. I think Iowa is going to have success running the ball, minimal success throwing the ball. Iowa's defense is going to look like Iowa's defense. Another thing, too, this is a extraordinarily sloppy team with both turnovers, but especially uh, penalties. The only team that had less penalties than Iowa this year in the Big Ten, we will break down here in a little bit. Cleaner game, Iowa wins. I've got 17-14 Iowa, so I've got that going under. I was tempted to go over in this game, the bowl game feel, 
But in the end, I just don't trust Iowa's offense to put that many points on the board. Good pass rush for Tennessee. So I got a Iowa cover, obviously with the outright win. And at 31 points, I got to go under. So squirrel right, real quick. Looked it up. His name is Mark Marquarius Malik Squirrel White. Um, His grandmother named him Squirrel as an infant because he imitated the movement of a squirrel in her garden. It has not. It has not ended. Grandma's always no best, man, and she nailed that one because, dude, the the dude's a squirrel. He's actually fun to watch. All right, buddy, you ready to you ready to go? You ready to go here? I, I think I need to get it out. I think I'm as ready as I can be. I think Jordan just peed a little right now as, as we just got ready to break this down. The Big Ten game of the week, Monday, January 1st, the Rose Bowl, presented by Prudential, better known this Monday as the college football playoff semifinal in Pasadena, California, with the San Gabriel Mountains in the background. Jordan, have you ever been to the Rose Bowl? I have not, unfortunately. Oh, it is it on is. the bucket list. It is Absolutely gorgeous. Saw my older brother start and play in the Rose Bowl versus Washington, something that I will never forget. My family will never forget. The 12-1, and number four ranked Alabama Crimson Tide versus the 13-0, number one ranked Michigan Wolverines. This is a 4 o'clock p.m. game on ESPN. Gross. This should be on ABC. You know. Rose Bowl, ABC, it just seems like that's how it should be. I know it's in the same family of networks, but you get what I'm saying. Line, Wolverines by one and a half, over under 44.5. So Vegas is saying something like 23 to 21, Michigan. Bama does lead the all-time series here, three to two, uh, including 2020 in the Citrus Bowl where they won 35-16. That was a game that Michigan was leading at halftime. Anybody remembers, and then Mac Jones and all those wide receivers decided, hey, let's remember that we're really good, and they threw it all over the place and scored a whole bunch of points on Michigan in the second half. So, all-time series, favors Bama. Kits. Yes. Before before we go on this, the uh the whole setting of it. And and, and if I could go back, I I think Iowa-Tennessee, excellent potential, excellent kits. Good balance there. That's a good good balance. balance I, I think the black and the orange playoff, but Please, Jordan, I know the big game blues. I, I I I know. And I I think you're on the same page with me. And I and there's other Michigan fans I've found on Twitter that listen, the big game blues is a fun story. But this is the Rose Bowl. This is Alabama. If I get the blue and the maze against these Alabama uniforms, simple, clean Alabama uniforms, this this that would be incredible. Please give it to me, Harbaugh. All the rumors and speculation is that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Is the maze britches? So I'm on your, you know, I'm on your side there. The players ultimately are the ones they let make the decision, but I don't know. I yeah. hope it's that. But they they they're all about those big game blues. That's the thing that the players have gone with. I hope it's not, but we'll see. I think it's going to be big game blues, mostly because that's not what I want, and that seems to be how things work <laughs> out. So speaking of things not wanted, let's just jump in the ugly pond right now. Jim Harbaugh's record in the postseason has just been horrible. We talked about it a little bit on the previous podcast to give you a chance to break it down. Then you have that balanced, not balanced, just up against Nick Saban in the postseason. It has to play into your thinking in this game. I know it did with me. 
what say you, how big of a deal and story is that for this matchup? I mean, it's it's going to be the lead talking point on every single thing that anybody talks about. I mean, and it has to be. And I, I think it's deserving. Jim Harbaugh deserves the criticism that he's gotten for this. Um, what I will say about this season is everything that I've heard, it sounds like they have completely changed yep. their pregame bowl prep. It's, it's 100% different than anything they've done the last two years. So I think what it sounds like is they've self-scouted and they've realized what we're doing is not working. We need to do something different. Sounds like a whole lot more mental preparation versus physical, which I think is smart with a team like this. You have a team that's old, experienced. I don't I don't think it's physically doing the job. I think it's mentally making sure you're in the right place all the time. So I think that's a smart idea. We'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously plays a factor. Obviously plays a factor. I mean, Nick Saban's the greatest coach for a reason. So they, they that's a one-up automatically for Alabama. Yeah, we're reading somewhat of the same articles because I've read that as well. Uh, bang, what Michigan players talked about was how banged up they were at the end of the year before that Georgia game. To be honest, I throw that Georgia game out. Georgia was a absolute well-oiled unit. Michigan, I'm not saying they had a happy-to-be-there thing, but they just were not ready. Uh, for, I, th- I think they did. <laughs> I think they yeah, did. They, they. Long story short is, Mentally and physically speaking, they it just they weren't up for the task versus Georgia. Now, last year versus TCU, that's on you, Harbaugh and Michigan. I think every Michigan fan understands that. So is that a lesson learned coming into this game? I I think so. And then from what I've read, they just haven't been, you know, hitting. They they have done everything they can to heal up with the number one, is he healed up? question going to jj mccarthy kg responses when asked essentially he just said well i wasn't healthy but he didn't exactly say he's 100 healthy now jj's legs and want to to run the ball huge for this game any insider information or just general thoughts you have with the health of jj and some other guys before they left for California, he was asked again, point blank. He's, you know, how are you feeling? He said, I feel 100%. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to beat me. Yeah. So yeah. you have to take that for what it's worth. Obviously, he's a player. He's never going to say, yeah, oh, I don't feel so great. You know, they're not going to say that. But it's it sounds like it was a high ankle is what it sounds like is what it was. And Makes anybody sense. that's had a high ankle sprain, understand those just kind of linger and they don't go away except for time and being off of it. So time is the best healer for that. Everybody else, obviously, Zach Zinner notwithstanding, sounds yeah. like it was all minor stuff. It was just nicks and bruises, so time off. That's why they've gone to this much more mental aspect of practicing versus the physical side of it. Now, I do expect them here in the next few days to to get into the contact sure. and actually start hitting again. But all reports sound like everybody's good to go. Will Johnson's 100% healthy. The defensive lineman, uh, Mason Graham, was playing with a club most of the year. Doesn't sound like he's going to have anything on. So both hands are free. So linebacker, you had a linebacker. Sounds like everything clubbing, clubbing it up. Oh, uh, Junior Colson. Yeah. Yeah. Junior Colson's got its thumbs, both of his thumbs, but sounds like they're going to be smaller casts. He'll still have some on just as precaution. But so let's go ahead and get into the, the side of the ball that we're kind of talking about. This is what we do in these big games. We break it down like this. So we'll start Michigan's offense versus the Alabama defense. You start. The biggest thing for me here is Michigan's got to stay on schedule. Um, we, we've, we know the weaknesses that Michigan's offense has shown at, at tackle. 
and Penn State exploited it more than anybody with a with a straight speed rush and just owning the tackles. Well, Bama's got two guys that might even be better than what Penn State was throwing out there in Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. So the offense has got to stay on schedule. And I don't I'm not saying that is oh we got to run the ball and you know you got to get those two or three yards, but it's got to be smart first down plays. You've got to do things that get JJ in rhythm and quick passes, smart passes, use your tight ends, use Cornelius Johnson in those early passing downs because he's great at those intermediate routes and those the little hitches and slants. Those are perfect because then that takes the focus off of Roman Wilson for something later. So number one focus, stay on schedule. I don't want to see them abandon the run because you're going to struggle against Bama. Bama's defense is very, very good. Where they're a little bit weaker, and I say that, you know, it's weaker as in relative terms. Yep. Yes. Interior and linebacker play. Their linebackers, from what I've watched, this is not watching, like listening to people. This is me watching games. Mm -hmm. Their linebackers have missed fits in the running game quite a bit. If you go back and watch that Auburn game, especially in the QB run game, their linebackers get caught up in the wash a lot with that kind of stuff. That's something Michigan's going to have to try to take advantage of. You've got to get those interior guys moving and get those linebackers flowing in the wrong direction and catch them with some counters or some kind of trap game because it's it's been out there against this Bama defense. That's how teams have had success. You're not going to drop back and throw the ball 45 times against the secondary. It's hmm. too damn good. Too damn good. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I got, so I got a couple different takes with you. I have a lot of faith with this Alabama front, the D line, the 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 D line, both against the rush and getting to the quarterback is either good or elite. Linebackers are a step down. I think I think the best place to touch them up is the back seven. Don't yeah, know I hmm, I, I, if you look at the teams that got points on the board. It it was throwing the ball down the field. That's that's what I saw. I watched a lot of clips. I don't see a ton of running backs busting through the line with hardly anybody touching them. Agree that their linebackers get caught with eye candy. Agree there. Agree there. And I think Harbaugh, they're good. This is a good staff at tricking people with eye candy to do that. So I think that is huge. Pre-snap motions. Yes. And, and, and you know, uh, um, Who's the quick little wide receiver? Not the um, Samaj Morgan. Thank you. That you get him going. So either him running the ball or running back played off of him. I think that's I think that's huge. JJ McCarthy is everything though. It is everything. And I and this is what I've been excited to ask you. So you and I fought way back in the summer. I don't know if you remember this. And no, I said, I know exactly where I know, know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. I said, JJ, that Michigan will not win a national championship unless JJ McCarthy is excellent. Now, you've been correct up to this point because Michigan was able to beat Penn State and Ohio State without stellar JJ. They are not going to beat Alabama without at least good JJ. And potentially, we need great JJ. And what's great JJ? 280 yards, three touchdowns. And 60, 70 yards on the ground, maybe with another touchdown on the ground. I'll allow him one pick, but it can't be, you know, a, a back-breaking pick. So something like that, Jordan, if we don't get that, I don't think we get a Michigan win. 
I, I somewhat agree with what you're saying. I don't think the numbers need to be what you're saying. The biggest thing for me, it has to be a mistake-free JJ. He can't throw the dumb pick like we saw against TCU. He can't take the dumb sack that we've seen him take over times where he ties to Fran Tarkington, everything, and run around like crazy. Can't happen. Too good at athletes. You're not going to outrun him to the edge. And when he makes his reads in the zone read game, in the running game, it's got to be the right reads. Where there's going to be very limited times where he's got an open receiver downfield for a deep ball. Got to hit him. It's got to be mistake-free. I don't need him to be Trevor Lawrence. I need him to be clean. And like I said, stay on schedule. If it's an eight yard in, hit it and hit it on time. Just don't make those big mistakes because I don't think you don't need to win this game in a shootout. This game is not going to play, be played in the thirties and forties. If it's played in the thirties and forties, Michigan's losing this game. I'd say that was a good argument. I, 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 you shifted my brain a little bit here with that. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back a little bit, maybe not three touchdowns, but two with, I can live with that with uh, success on the ground. Run, running running sure. yes. that, make... that to me is huge yes you have to not necessarily in a straight qb run game either but just running the ball in general yes and i'm still gonna say minimum 250 yards passing that that, that is how you are there are going to be third down conversions seven plus yards that are going to need to be converted shout out to loveland I think he's going to be huge and we're going to need roman wilson to get behind the secondary one time in this game and for JJ to hit him, we're gonna need to hit things. it. Gotta gonna, hit gonna, it. Gonna, gonna, gonna need those things. Yep. Okay. I agree. And, and I, I would maybe just start out with JJ on the ground, quick. Just establish first right play. There. First play QB first like series. counter or something. 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 Yeah. Feel good Not about a terrible that. Terrible idea. Not okay. a terrible idea. Switch to the other side. Uh, so now we got the Bama offense versus the Michigan defense. Jaden Milrow is impressive. Um, I love his interviews. Just being honest, I love the kid. And is he a pick apart your defense guy? No, but he is electric with the ball in his hands, running it. He's going to have some success. He had success versus Georgia. He had success versus everybody. He's going to have success. Limiting that success with him running the ball, paramount for this Michigan defense. Yeah, so there's there's been you know, people that I talked to a lot a lot of back and forth, and people have differing opinions on how you attack Jalen Milrow. I think I'm kind of in the minority in how I want to attack him. Some people are like, ah, you just rush four, you contain him, you keep him in the pocket, and you try to get pressure organically with four guys. I don't feel that way. I I, I think you need you need to trust your old dudes and trust that these guys are gap sound and you can blitz and blitz disciplined and send pressure at him and make him make decisions because I don't think Alabama offensively has there's no Jamison Williams there's no Devontae Smith there's no Jerry Judy on this offense those wide receivers while they're good they're not those guys they're good players I want to see if Jalen Milrow can make a split second decision and get the ball out and get the ball in the right spot and Jesse Minner is going to have to mix up what he's throwing at him he's going to have to show man drop zone to show zone drop man. He's going to have to send pressure from different places. I'm worried that if you do the opposite and you send four and you don't get good pressure, that you let him sit back there and get in a rhythm 
and then he's comfortable and then he's seeing the field and now you've unleashed everything because now he can pick you apart to what extent he can do like you said he's not the he's not the surgeon of a quarterback and then you throw his legs in the mix i understand that he's an elite runner but you just i just i worry more about letting him stand there and have all day to throw the ball. You can only cover for so long. I understand Michigan's defensive front is good, but we let's be honest, we don't have a first-round draft pick edge rusher. We have a good unit, a good four guys, well, eight guys really that they rotate, that organically together get pressure. So trust that. Trust that they keep their rush lanes. Trust that you can send the blitzes from the right place and confuse him enough to make him make a mistake. Because like we said about J.J. Mm-hmm. McCarthy and how important what he is to this game I will say the exact same thing about Jalen Milrow. Alabama cannot win this game if he plays poorly. Absolutely agree with that. I think I disagreed with almost everything that preceded what you just said. I, I've been I, in the minority with a lot of people I, I talked about. I don't like to be in the majority, but I apparently am here. I would take the Phil Parker approach here and play a ton of zone. I'm not saying... You don't ever go man, and I'm definitely not saying you never blitz, all right? I You're going to need an extra blitzer at times. What I saw out of Alabama's offense is a, a decent rushing attack. Not great. Neither one of these running backs are phenomenal. They're just good. They're really good in space. you gotta, You've got to bottle them up. Yes, so they're good. Um, and as far as it's uh, McClellan, it, he's the jitterbug. He's got the speed. Roy Dell Williams, more of your your classic running back. Neither one of the neither one of them scare me, especially McClellan. He he can get open. Okay, he, he can he hit can a home fight. run on yes, you pretty he, quick. So don't get me wrong there, but you know, there I, I don't think either one of these guys are Travion Henderson. Is is what I would say. Oh no, I agree. Okay, so to me, for whatever reason, when they had explosive plays. It was Alabama wide receivers running completely open. And to me, a lot of them look like busted plays where Milrow kind of comes up. The defense comes up and the wide receiver gets behind him where it turns into like this makeshift RPO that wasn't a designed RPO. Now, there were some designed RPOs, don't get me wrong. But are you following what I'm saying here? It's like oh yeah, the defense came up and then he readjusted and had a wide open wide receiver. He wasn't sitting back there, you know, finding wide open wide receivers in the design of the play. So don't give him that. If he gets seven yards rushing, that's fine. Don't give him 27 yards rushing the way you do it on, on, on any given play is what I mean. Don't do that. Stay in more of a shell defense, make him beat you. If you blitz, that's where the lanes come up. If you play a ton of man, that's where you've got defenders running with their back towards the quarterback. I do not agree with you, and I don't think that will be Jesse Minner's plan of attack in this game. I I think it's going to be closer to what I what I see, and I apparently other people see as well. Yeah, hey, I'm completely okay with being wrong as long as it works. I yeah. just I have this terrible fear of him standing back there and getting yeah. in a rhythm and getting comfortable and. I not. I want to see him do that all the way down the field versus this Michigan defense is what I'm saying. Speaking of, yeah, by the way, I mean, and it, if that's the case, you got to trust your front, your front guys. I mean, Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, those guys get have there. Been elite this isn't all year. A, this if isn't an amazing. It, that's 
this is an amazing Michigan, uh, Alabama offensive line. But it has this gotten is not a, a great, lot. They've gotten a lot, lot better. better as the year has gone on. But not great. Sure. I, I believe Michigan's D-line can win battles in this game and get to the quarterback. By the way, just throwing this out there. Let's say we get to a third and 14 or something like, like that. Find Isaiah Bond. He's the guy that came up with the play versus Auburn. But it's not just that play. I don't know how, but that dude just gets open on these miraculous third and 14, you know, type of plays. Find Bond, Isaiah Bond, if if you're the Michigan secondary, to to, to use the easy uh, uh, quote. I'll tell you what, man, I we'll get into the predictions now. I just want to say this. Dude. So do you want you want me to go first and you you take it home? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. I I if you are a Michigan hater or a Michigan lover, and I could say the same Alabama hater or Alabama lover, I really don't know what you're looking at here that would make you think this is going to be a blowout one way or the other. Could that happen? Sure. It's college football, but I think you, you either are just loving or hating on one of these teams. If that's what you're predicting, this, this just seems an amazing matchup. So really like I'm predicting a close win and this could go either way. All of the factors that were talked about, you know, the Saban versus the Harbaugh, that that all factors in. I love the fact that both teams have to travel quite a bit, right? Neither team really gets an advantage on where the game is being played. I think I'd be happy this game's not in the South if I'm you as a Michigan fan. There's so a all, reason they didn't choose the Sugar Bowl. Yes, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's a freaking no-brainer right there. So all those things are good. It's just more stuff that 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 keeps this to be a close game. You know me. I am a big I need to see it to believe it guy. I thought maybe you would even change my mind and you got close a couple times. I hate to be with the crowd. I am cheering for Michigan. I'm not even sure if I'm in the speaking of minorities and majorities. I'm not sure if I'm in the minority or majority with Big 10 fans. I don't know who they're cheering for. When I ask them who they're cheering for in this game, they say Washington. <laughs> like I'm saying, I'm not saying college football playoffs. I'm saying in this game. I know I'll be watching this game with my family in Iowa, almost predominantly Iowa fans. Mark my words, we almost all will be cheering for Michigan. Trust me. Across the board, I don't know what you guys have done. Actually, I kind of have a clue what your fans have done. But but there aren't a ton of Michigan backers here. I'm 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 over-explaining this as you know where I'm going with this. I do want Michigan to win this game, but I have to see it. I have to see Harbaugh pull any of these out. I, I have to see J.J. McCarthy make these plays on this stage. Don't know if we're going to get it. I've got Alabama 24, Michigan 21. So that's a outright Alabama win and the cover. And at 44 points, I have this going a half game under the game total. I I mean, that's, that's the argument that a lot of people have said. I got to see it. And I can't say I disagree with it. Um, there's a couple other things about this game that, the gambling degenerate and me can't shake over 90% of the money and 80% of the bets are all on Bama. The general public is pounding Bama in the gambling universe. And this line hasn't flinched at all. It hasn't moved a hair. Now it is that because Sunday it's going to flip the complete other way when all the sharps get into it. Maybe potentially, 
but that says something to me. Just just okay. so you know, just so you know, this was the major factor in me almost picking Michigan, but I didn't bring it up because because I knew you would. And I just want to I want to reinforce what you're saying is a gigantic factor. So I 100% support your thought process here. Vegas Vegas doesn't get it wrong on purpose. They they don't lose on purpose. So that means something to me. The homerism in me obviously is going to rain out in this. I Michigan is I'm going to pick Michigan to win this game. I'm trying to think about this logically. I'm trying to think about this in matchups. And I just think that I've been saying it all year. This team is so old. They've seen all of this. They've done all of this. They've been through two letdowns in the playoffs. Like we talked about Georgia, better team. They felt like every single guy that's going to step on that field and play played in that TCU game. Every single one of them, with the exception of the two transfer offensive linemen that will play the rest of the guys out there were on this team and played in that game. So they know what it feels like. I just think that they're, this is, if it's not this team for Michigan, I don't know when it will be. This is the best team I've seen since 1997 and maybe ever. They just seem to be the most well-rounded. They all seem to be on the same page, and I think the matchups are there. If you can take Jalen Milrow and force him to make mistakes, which this defense has done to every single team they played, they forced mistakes when they need it. I think that's what does it, and I take, I'm take i going to take Michigan's defense. I'm going to take Michigan's seniors. I'm going to take the leaders in this game. I got Michigan winning 24-20, just a hair under, 44 points with that hook. I like it. I like that line a little bit better when it's at 45 to play the under, but I like the under. I'm leaning on Michigan. But I'm with you. This game is not going to be a blowout one way or another. This is going to be a close game. My heart's probably going to stop three or four times during it. <laughs> and, yeah, but yeah. I, th- I think it's going to be a good game. But I'm I'm riding with Michigan. That's head and heart. I yep. My heart says they're going to win it, but I'm just there's a lot of things pointing me to Michigan when everybody else is saying Bama. All great points. Here's another thing I would actually throw in favor of you. Michigan is just so much of a cleaner team than Alabama. My quote on Alabama is they are a great team that oftentimes does not feel or play great on how they look. That also penalties, turnovers, not, you know, great. That is also in, in Michigan's favor. I won't be betting on this game. I know who I'm cheering for. In this game, this will be uh, uh, entertaining enough on its own. How and then and then there's our predictions are done. Then the next thing I would ask is, so first of all, happy New Year to anybody. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to anybody listening uh, to this podcast. New Year's Eve will be the night before this game. Are you going to even celebrate? I get, what I'm getting at is, yeah, I, I would want my I want to feel good if I'm you on New Year's Day. I don't want to have a clouded head when I'm watching this game. Is that going to be your plan of attack? If I can be in bed by 10 o'clock New Year's Eve, I am all about it. Yeah. I have no quarrel with that whatsoever. Get rid of the amateur hour. Get some good sleep. The The real celebration is the day, the next day. I, 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 I totally partied agree. many New Year's Eves when I was a young pup. I don't need any of that. Yep, got it out, got it out of the system. So I, I figured that much. And then overall, I mean, Jordan, this... The, this has the potential to change your fandom, to change your life. If you win this game to to set up the next game, is that something that you you know think about? No, I can't. I can't yeah. mentally get myself to the point of thinking about that because I did that last year. 
because I actually had a friend last year who had already bought tickets to the national championship game because in his exact words were, Oh, TCU, that's the easy game. So no, I I can't, I don't care about Washington, Texas until after that hits zeros and we're winning. Concentrate here. I told you, I wish it matters uh, because I'm not playing the game. It doesn't matter, but I wish I could watch the game with you or at least have a cam (laughs) on you. For when you watch this game, really any Michigan fan, but obviously I know you better than any. So I wish you luck. I'll be Hope watching you this one day. alone. There will be no other, there'll be nobody else that, that can't happen. Games like this are, there's a select few uh, people in your own fandom that you want to watch. So I, I, again, I support you on that. All right, man. You want anything else? Nope. I think I'm good. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been a long Eyes on Big podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.